Lekutei Sichais, Chelek Chof Dalid, Tuba'ov, Sicha Aleph. The Mishnah at the conclusion of the Tractate of Tainus, Chapter 26, tells us, Lehoyu Yamim Tevim Liyisrol, Kechamisha Asr Ba'ov, Ukiyem HaKippurim. There were no days as celebratory for our nation as the days of the 15th of Av and the day of Yom Kippur. The Talmud offers numerous explanations for this very enigmatic teaching regarding the festival of the 15th of Av. It was the day that the tribes were once again permitted to intermarry, having held back from this in order that tribal lands remain intact after the event of the daughters of Slavchad in the desert. And it's the day that the tribe of Binyamin, Benjamin, which had been ostracized for the incident of the concubine who had been assaulted and killed in their territory, the Piglegesh Begiva, too, was permitted again to rejoin the community of Israel and to intermarry tribally. It was the day that the nation recognized that the punishment of the generations of men over 20 who had left Egypt and who had been dying 15,000 at a time each year for 40 years on the 9th of Av as a consequence of the actions of the spies and the response of the nation had ended and they were forgiven by God. And after Yeruvim split off the kingdom of Israel with its ten tribes from the kingdom of Yehuda, he posted guards along the roads leading to Jerusalem to prevent his people from going up to Yerushalayim or to the holy city for the pilgrimage festivals. He didn't want anything like these pilgrimages to take place and to undermine his authority. As a substitute, he set up places of worship which were purely idolatrous in Dun and in Bethel. The last king of the kingdom of Israel, Heshea ben Elah, removed the guards that he had placed there from the roads leading to Yerushalayim, thus allowing the people to make this pilgrimage again, and this took place on the 15th of Av. Also, long after the Bar Kokhba revolt, on the 15th of Av, the Romans finally permitted the bodies of those who had been killed in the defense of Betar to be buried. This was a double miracle, in that first the Romans finally gave permission for the burial, and second, in spite of the long period of time that had elapsed, the bodies had not decomposed. And the sages, Rabbah and Rav Yosef, distinctly agree, though they often disagreed on different halachas, and teach, on the 15th of Av as well, the wood needed to burn the sacrifices for the eternal flame that had to burn on the altar was conclusively collected for the year ahead. Each year, a number of families would volunteer to bring the wood needed. All the wood that would be needed until the following Nisan had to be collected as the hot days of the summer were ending, before the cold and wet set in. The last day that wood was brought in for storage over the winter months was the 15th of Av, Tuba Av, and it was a festive occasion each year when the quota needed was filled by that day that concluded the cutting of the wood. The Talmud concludes this telling us that Rav Menashe said, 
and they called the 15th of Av the day of the breaking of the axe, as from this day onward no more trees were cut down, and therefore it was its celebration. It even has, according to Rav Benasha, a special name. Of all these reasons, each one but the last is an understandable reason for a day of rejoicing and a festival. An event worthy of celebration for the nation took place, the end of a decree or a punishment, or a day on which something was resolved and repaired. But the last reason, the day on which the wood was no longer cut for temple use and was gathered and brought to the temple, requires explanation as a festive day. What was unique on this day in terms of celebration, and a great celebration at that, on this day that they stopped bringing wood for the altar, a day as comparably festive to the day of Yom Kippur? This was a day on which they stopped doing something for temple services. What makes it a celebration? What's more surprising yet is that the reason given in the Talmud for why they needed to stop on this day was because the sun's intensity was weakening, which certainly sounds like a negative rather than a positive, resulting in dry trees versus winter wet trees for the wood needed for the temple for the entire season until the next summer season. And Rav Menashe even added that the conclusion of cutting the trees for the temple hall was so great a day that the day was given that specific name, the day of cutting of the axe. In addition, this reason that the wood was cut and collected until this day, making this day a great day of celebration, is the mutual opinion of many sages, while the other reasons for this day of celebration of Tuba of is based on individual opinions, which tells us that this is a primary reason for the joy on the 15th of Av, more so than the other reasons. There are commentaries who address why this is indeed a day of such celebration. Rabbeinu Gershom explains that the significance of this day was that those who were not involved in cutting trees for the sacrificial and temple services were unable to be involved in the steady study of Torah. And on this day, they could resume their study, thus the great joy. But the Rashbam, Shmuel ben Meir, a leading French Tosafist, grandson of Rashi, explains that this was a day of great rejoicing because they were able to complete this very significant mitzvah of bringing the wood needed. Completing a mitzvah is cause for great celebration, like, for example, the conclusion of the learning of a tractate. And there are various numerous examples of this kind of celebration in the Talmud itself. It's obvious that the Rashbam chooses not to explain this as Rabbeinu Gershom does, as the reason Rabbeinu Gershom states that from here on onwards they could resume Torah study is an addition, and it's not mentioned as a reason for this day of celebration in the Talmud itself. The idea that the nights begin to lengthen and the days to shorten, allowing for longer hours of Torah study, is mentioned as instruction that all take this time and study for longer hours, but not as the reason for this day, the 15th of Av's rejoicing. And tree cutting itself is not impacted by longer nights, as assumedly they're not cut at night. As well, it just is not likely that a festive day would be established based upon an actual deficiency 
in the process and the mitzvah of preparing the wood, that they could no longer do so from this day on, and that this took away time from their Torah study. Yet the Rashbam uses the expression, a mitzvah gedola, it was a great mitzvah that they concluded doing, by way of explaining what a particularly great festival this day was, saying that there was no other than this day and the day of Yom Kippur like it. And Yom Kippur is indeed a great and unique Yom Tiv. But why? Why was cutting trees for the pyre in the temple a great mitzvah? Why not just a regular mitzvah? And in fact, it sounds like it would be just a hechsher mitzvah, an act that facilitates a mitzvah, preparing enough wood in the chamber for its use in the temple, for the pyre and for the bringing of sacrifices on the altar. Also, when one does actually complete a mitzvah, a mitzvah, like the conclusion of the writing of a Torah scroll, while it's a celebratory time, it's not referred to as a time of great rejoicing and a festival unlike any others our people have. Let's look further at the words of Rav Menashe. In Rav Menashe's words where he says they called this day the day of the breaking of the axe, we actually find two explanations. The Tosafists explained that they now could abstain from being busy with cutting trees, like Rabbeinu Gershom explains. From here on in, they concluded the tree cutting and have no further need for the axes. Going back to the Rashbam, he explains that they actually broke the axes that were now no longer needed to cut the trees. In other words, the name the axe-breaking day speaks to the fact that not only were they no longer cutting trees with their tools not needing the axes, but they literally broke the axes. Rashi too teaches that they broke the axes. Proof of this opinion of the Rashbam and of Rashi in the Gemara is quite simply understood not only from the word tavar, which means broke, as opposed to the word batal, the use of axes was now made null, or some other way to say their use ended. Were we to explain these words, the day of the breaking of the axes, only indicating that the axe is no longer being used for cutting the trees until next season, it would mean that Rab Menashe's addition about calling this day the day of Tavar Magal, the day they no longer use the axe, isn't of great import or significance, so why add it? As well, and more significant even, is the issue that if all that was being celebrated was that the axe was no longer in use, then this day was really no different to any other day henceforth. The axe was no longer used until the following year, in the month of Nisan. And so the Rashbam teaches that this actually means that the axes were broken. And this is why Rav Menashe adds his teaching. Not only were they no longer cutting wood, but the axes used for cutting the wood for the pyre in the temple were broken on this very day. Of course, what we now want to understand is how and why. How is this so important to detail that our sages teach us that the day was called the day they broke the axe? And why? Why did they break the axes? And how is it not baltashchus, wasteful, something the Torah specifically forbids? If one were to explain that perhaps it was so that the axe would not be used for mundane labor, once it was used for the holy work in the temple, it would still be difficult to understand why they had to break them. Why not put the axe away for next year's use? To understand the idea of breaking the axe, let's first look at the placement in the Mishnah of this teaching. 
this teaching of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, that there were no days as festive for the nation as the 15th of Av, follows on and concludes the Mishnah and the teaching regarding the 9th of Av. The Mishnah states that the 9th of Av is the most mournful day of the year. There is no day that so completely negates joy and rejoicing for our people like the month, like the 9th of Av. The Mishnah then follows this with a positive and concludes with a positive, highlighting the day that is the total other end of this spectrum, the great festive day of Tuba Av, unlike any other, aside from Yom Kippur. Accordingly, when we explore the various reasons for the great joy of this day, each reason counters the events that occurred on the 9th of Av, the day that the generation ceased to die in the desert as a consequence for the event of the spies, in other words, the end of the decree that kept them out of Eretz Yisrael, and the day that those murdered in Betar were brought to burial, both negated decrees passed upon them on the 9th of Av. The other reasons given, the day that the tribes could once again intermarry, now allowing for a fluid process of settling the land of Israel, was a day of great joy. As long as there was a concern of transferring land from one tribe to another through marriage, no person could actually experience ownership of their portion in the land of Israel because they could not transfer that land in any way. And it's only through real transfer that one could experience control over their land, nor could they ever feel like the entire land of Israel was a personal portion and inheritance, because this moratorium meant that one could never own a different portion in the land. Every tribe could live only on their tribal land. With the nullification of the moratorium on the 15th of Av, one's ownership of the land changed significantly and also changed the reality of our ownership of Eretz Yisrael as a people. Now the land of Israel was an inheritance, but we also experienced Eretz Yisrael as the gift that God had given us. Eretz Yisrael is an inheritance from our forefathers as God promised, but an heir is the only one who can inherit and inherits only what he has allocated in a will. This would be the inheriting of a particular portion of land as a portion to each tribe. But in removing this moratorium, as a gift is always an expression of generosity and benevolence, means that all of the land always belonged to us as a people, even when we were commanded to maintain the tribal lands, but now that the limitation had been removed, the settlement of the land with every Jew enjoying ownership and access to all of the land could be revealed completely. Though we know that there were five events that befell our people on the ninth of Av, the first of which was that it was decreed with the event of the spies that we would not enter the land, the reason that a fast was decreed on this day is actually due to the destruction of the temple on this day. For this very reason, the day of the 15th of Av, as the day on which they stopped preparing wood for the pyre in the temple, is even mo more closely related to the building of the Beis HaMikdash and its upkeep, and is an event which speaks to the temple's existence as opposed to its destruction, thus considered the prime reason for this festive day of joy. Let's look at the destruction of the temple more closely for a moment. 
There were two aspects to the destruction of the temple. The result of the destruction, that with the destruction of the temple, we could no longer bring sacrifices and perform the temple service. And the reason for the destruction, which in the time of the second temple was even worse than the first, the unwarranted hatred between Jews. The 15th of Av, Tuba Av, the day that they stopped cutting wood, represents the opposite of both of those. To understand this fully, we want to explore a detail in the wording in the Talmud associated to what transpired on this 15th day of Av, the day they stopped cutting wood for the temple. The Talmud specifically mentions that this day, the 15th of Av, was a time when the strength of the sun grew weaker and thus they no longer cut wood from this day onward. Why was this detail regarding the weakening of the sun relevant? Particularly as the weakening of the sun and the ensuing colder days and then rainy season bore the natural consequence that the wood hereafter would not be suitable. But these very words speak to the idea that we are celebrating on this day. Cutting the wood for the pyre meant that for the entire year following, all sacrifices could be brought on the altar. Personal sacrifices, which were individual obligatory sacrifices, and communal sacrifices on behalf of the entire nation. In other words, cutting the wood was akin to the act of staka, of giving charity. The act of giving charity is equal to all the mitzvahs, and in the Jerusalem Talmud has the unique appellation of mitzvah, as if to say this is the quintessential mitzvah of the Torah. In fact, this was not just a mitzvah, it was a great mitzvah, as the families who brought the wood did not know who they would be helping. So really it was the highest form of charity, and it was a big mitzvah qualitatively and quantitatively, Every single Jew would benefit from this kindness as it facilitated the bringing of both personal and communal sacrifices. And in these boiling hot days, until the 15th of Av, wood was being chopped and brought to the temple pyre because after the 15th, the weather would turn. Now we can understand the explanation of Rabbi Eliezer the Great who said that from the 15th of Av onwards, the sun's strength would weaken and there would no longer be trees fit for cutting for wood for the temple, thereby explaining the greatness of concluding this mitzvah by this day. And we can thus also understand that this brings building the temple into a state of wholeness. The purpose of building the temple was to bring sacrifices in this house of God, this bias Hashem, made possible and doable specifically on the 15th of Av with the conclusion of stockpiling the wood for the temple pyre, readying the temple for bringing sacrifices for the year to come all the way until the month of Nisan of the following year, to which Rav Menashe adds, and it was called Yom Tavar Magel, the day the axe was broken, because with a pause in cutting the wood, he alludes to an even deeper aspect of the wholeness of God's house beyond preparing it for sacrifices. The Mishnah in the Tractate of Midos speaks about the prohibition of any iron objects 
used in the cutting of stones for the temple. If an iron object would touch a stone for the altar, it would be rendered unusable because iron was created to shorten a man's lifespan to be used as weapons and the altar was created to lengthen man's life in acquiring forgiveness for sin. To this end, Rav Menashe adds, as Rashi and the Rashbam explain, the idea that they broke the axes of iron on this day. In other words, the greatness of the 15th of Av when they ceased cutting wood for the pyre isn't just about the conclusion of the facilitation of a mitzvah, and therefore they didn't want this object used for holiness to be used for the mundane, and it isn't just about that through this great mitzvah of charity, God's house was readied for bringing sacrifices, but more than that, the facilitation of the ultimate purpose of the altar was accomplished, the extension of a life. And on this day, even before the wood is piled on the pyre, the axe which represents the opposite of the purpose of the sacrifice is itself broken, removing the representative tool of that which destroys life, showing that this axe now that it is no longer being used to help facilitate life in chopping wood for the altar only represents the opposite of that and must be destroyed on that day of the 15th of Av until again in the year to come, in the month of Nisan, an axe would be used to help facilitate life again in preparing wood for the Mizbeach. The reason we mention for the destruction of the temple was the lack of brotherly love. To repair this, we must be in a state of brotherly love. And this is why one of the celebrations of the 15th of Av was the gathering of the daughters of Jerusalem of all types, all looks, from all sectors of wealth, as the Brisa teaches, dancing together in a circle dance that obliterates differences. They all wore white clothes that were not their own, but borrowed from one another according to the sector of their family's importance, as the Talmud relates, furthering the unity and obliterating any disparity and difference between them. This idea is then further developed in the conclusion of the tractate that teaches, in the future God will make a great circle with the righteous and sit among them in Gan Eden, and each one will be able to see godliness to point and say, Behold, this is God in whom we placed our hope and for salvation. Let's rejoice in this salvation. This will be the time of total and complete unity among our people. And because the Mishnah tells us that all your nation are righteous, we will all be in the circle and dance and declare God's salvation as evident to our own eyes. On that day, the final acts of nations will be broken as swords are turned into plowshares and no nation will lift its sword against another again. On that day, the fulfillment of the promise to lengthen the days of man will be fulfilled. When man will experience lengthy days and lengthy years with the advent of the revival of the dead, and the time of the world to come. This will be so for every Jew, for all have a share in the world to come, as all your nation are righteous, 
and all will dance in that Maholit Sadikim, the dance of the righteous, choreographed by God, speedily in our day, Mamash.